back in. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner Jewelers. We're inside the Rollo Insurance Studio. It's the Go Hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. Maroon never looks so good with Maroon U. We're joined by Ryan Broniger, Tech Sags baseball analyst and recruiting analyst. Ryan? Just baseball today, I guess. Just right? baseball today, yeah. That's where, by the way. It's a pretty sweet new setup. Yeah, look at that spread. Who, who brought that by, by the way? Uh, Chuck Box. Okay. Chuck Box from Aggie Baseball brought that by, and so we're appreciative of that. We got really nice cleats. You could lace those up and go play today. I couldn't. Somebody had well, to lace them up for me now. I'm getting yeah. so old and fat, I can't even bend over and tie my shoes. Size 10, those would fit me. So There you go, there perfect. You go. I guess they're for me. We could probably get you in a full baseball uniform. Let's see. Let's see here. Let's see if that'll fit around. Take your earpiece out. Yeah, I guess I probably should do that. Good, good thinking. <sighs> Can you All do right. the whole segment that way, please? I'm not going to, but it's a little loose. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if, I, if that would rattle my cage a little bit. Might so. be enough helmet for Luke Evangelist's yeah, head in here. That's, that's, well, he needs like extra, extra <laughs> large for that. But um, nice new matte helmet. I guess that's what they wear. So, mm-hmm. And a sweet jersey. we got to figure out a better way to display that, I think. But uh, you get the point. We're workshopping it. Yeah, exactly. But... Anyways, uh, yeah, let's talk a little baseball. I figured, you know, last show of 2023, so might as well touch on a little bit of everything in under 50 days now. Seven well. weeks from today. Seven weeks 49 from today. days. Seven weeks till opening pitch against McNeese will be a series that I'm pretty invested in. Yeah. That's where I played, and then obviously the team that I cover and the school I got my master's degree from. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's creeping up on us, man. I think that the coaching change – the and football and then the rush to signing day and then now covering the portal it's like I looked up and I'm like we're only 50 days away yeah. this was yesterday and uh so yeah now seven weeks away from opening day and it's kind of creeping up on us and uh I'm excited about the roster excited about the team and so thank you thank you for having me on to talk baseball because I yeah. got a little bit winded talking about football <laughs> yeah. for a while I think I think that's you know it's it's wrapping up, so I, f- I think everyone feels that way. But, you know, just, I guess, starting a little broadly here, what happens from, you know, I, I fall ball finished up a while back, but what's happening from now until, like, opening day for, for the guys over at, at Olsen? Well, for right now, they're most of them are probably all back home. Mm-hmm. They've been given programs, uh, whether it be from Michael Early or Max Weiner about their day-to-days. Uh, the work they're expected to get in, depending on if they're a hitter or a pitcher. Uh, and then, obviously, Coach Kiesel, the strength and conditioning coach, has given them uh, a day-to-day routine, uh, week-to-week, and to try to ramp them up to get them ready physically so that when they show up on campus in January, um, they're not having to spend a bunch of time in, on strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strength portion right now is extremely important during the – time away between the fall and the spring. And you, we had Braden Montgomery in here. We had Jace Lavalette in here. They both spoke about one of the big things that they wanted to do between the end of the fall and the start of the spring is get as strong as they possibly could. Uh, it's the old saying, weak things break, right? Weak things mm-hmm. break. And so you want to go into the season as strong as they possibly – as get them as strong as they possibly can without losing their f- flexibility and athleticism – to where it becomes you know, kind of an injury problem or an injury concern because they're so big. But that was one of the focuses was was adding weight, getting stronger. Um, and, and that's something I think, at least for Jace, having gone through an entire college baseball season and then a summer 
I think when he got back in the fall, he went, man, that was a lot. Like, mm-hmm. that was a lot of baseball. How do I maybe change my preparations for the start of a new year so that when I when I start playing all these games, I'm in a little bit better spot physically? And I think that's so. That's one of the things that he was looking to do was was to add that weight and add that strength to his frame uh, to prepare him for a long season and then potentially another run with USA Baseball in the summer. So it's really hard to do because there's not another sport, uh, male sport on campus, where they're going to play as much as Aggie baseball. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to maintain playing weight throughout a season because you're just going and going and going. So going into a season with that kind of plan for Jace, I thought was really. Um, I, I thought it was really introspective. Like I got just set the freshman home run record, right? And it was a mm-hmm. freshman All American and led the team in the, all these offensive categories. It would have been really easy for him to go, okay, like that was pretty good. Let's try to do that again. But he looked at his preparation and thought there was a hole in it, and so he wanted to uh, improve upon that. And it's not just him; it's the entire team. This is a really, really important time for those guys on an individual level because they don't have a coach with them there every day. Tell them, hey, we have lift at X time. We have uh, ground balls, early work at this time. So it's a lot of trust in the kids. Like they, the coaching staff has to trust them because you're sending them out on their own. Uh, and it's a lot of accountability for those guys right now. And you can, like, I don't think it's going to be a determining factor on the season, but it could be a determining factor on how the season starts, depending on how you show up ready to go in January. Yeah, you mentioned Jace. You know, recently on the boards, you kind of put out a, a projected lineup, which you think it might look like at least preliminary. You know, early yeah. on, and you had Jace in center field. Is that is that you know he, he's changed his body that much where he could be you know a rangy center fielder? Well, what people don't realize about Jace, he's always been able to run, mm-hmm. like really run. He was one of the fastest guys on last year's team. He'll be one of the fastest guys on this year's team. He's six foot six, two hundred and thirty-ish pounds. Um, if if he's adding weight this offseason and even if he gets to six foot six and two thirty five, you know, two thirty eight, I still think he's gonna run well enough uh to to man center field. And he's got great instincts. He's a very natural outfielder. Uh, you know, he he's for being that big, you don't realize how much ground he's eating up because he's such a smooth, easy runner. Uh and I think he's got real natural ability to going back on the ball. Yeah, I've watched him a bunch in the fall. Um, make plays on balls over his head, which is something that you kind of worry about when a corner outfielder goes to center field. Is mm-hmm. you know how how does he judge the ball over his head? You know, coming in, it's pretty similar. Going back, it's a little bit different in center field. Uh, the thing that you worry about is durability. You know, center fielders are going to be obviously being involved in a lot more plays than a corner outfielder. You don't want Jace running into a wall or running into yeah. another guy, uh, but. You know, I think he project he could project there at the next level. It's kind of weird how many spots Jace could play as a professional player. <laughs> yeah, all three outfield spots I think are open to him because he runs so well. But it also wouldn't surprise me to see him in professional baseball go to first base too. So, but I, for this this year's club for for Jace and Jace's near future, I think um, the, his best spot is, is center field. Going back to that projected lineup and if you want to see the whole thing you got to head to texags.com to check it out but can you kind of just give an overview of, of how you laid it out and what you think it or your reasonings why you put yeah and there's where. and there's so many different combinations right mm-hmm. like I, this team doesn't still doesn't have a true leadoff hitter so one of the biggest questions for me right now as i sit here going into january is who's going to hit leadoff mm-hmm. 
It's kind of a similar question that we had in 2022, uh, and they mixed and matched before Trevor Werner settled in there. Last year, I don't know that Hunter Haas was the ideal leadoff hitter. He was a fantastic player mm-hmm. uh, and one of the best one-year wonders that A&M baseball has had, and he ended up settling into that leadoff spot. And so you know, I think Jim Schlossnagel values that spot more as a run producer than a run setter upper, if you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, like having a guy up there that can got a little sock in the bat and can hit you some doubles and some homers. Um, and, and both of the guys that he's hit there in his two years as head coach have been older, experienced guys. You know, Werner and then and then Hunter. So, I've made a couple of different lineup projections that has Teddy Burton hitting uh-huh. there. And you know, but again, like what position is Teddy going to play? There's so much competition for those spots in the infield and that DH, you know, I could definitely see Teddy being an everyday guy in the lineup, but I could also see Teddy being a spot player. Like we just, there's some things that still have to unfold, especially on the dirt in the infield. Uh, and then that DH role, uh, and even behind the plate at catcher, you know, if Jackson Appel, the transfer from Penn, if he gets on base at the clip that he got on base in the Ivy league, that's a big step up. But we've also seen Texas A&M do a great job with transfers, so much so that a lot of these guys come in and whatever production they had at their previous schools, it increases in the SEC. We saw that with Hunter Hoss, Jack Moss, Dylan Rock, uh, Troy Clonch. All these guys had great numbers coming in, and they only improved them when they got here. That's a huge credit to Michael Early. But if Jackson Appel is going to get on base at the clip that he's got on base in his career – it's going to be hard for them not to look at him in that leadoff role and go, okay, like maybe this is a run setter upper with the amount of sock that we've got in the lineup behind him. Maybe this guy, because he gets on base, you know, a ton. And look, that's this is not a kid that's up there swinging a tennis racket. He's got a little juice in his bat too, and he's got mm-hmm. some pretty good numbers there at Penn. But uh, with the amount of thunder that's coming behind him, if if he's on base a bunch, may set him up for some crooked number innings and. So what happens in that leadoff spot is a huge question mark of mine. Not not in the fact that I don't think they can fill it with talented players, but just who's going to do it. You know, then you look at first base. What happens at first base? Uh, Teddy Burton played there a lot in the fall. Ryan Targach can play there. But the guy that has got the biggest arrow pointing up, perhaps on the entire roster, is Blake Benderup. Now, is he going to be your everyday first baseman? or your everyday DH, I don't know, but i got to figure that that bat is going to factor into the lineup. And there's a lot of positions like that, Nick, in the infield where you're going, all right, I think this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if this happens. Yeah. You know, I think Ryan Targotch is going to start at second base, but it wouldn't surprise me if Caden Kent starts at second base. I think Ali Camarillo is going to start at shortstop. It wouldn't surprise me if Caden Kent starts at shortstop. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I think Jackson Appel is going to catch. It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if Max Coffer caught. Yeah. You know, so it's there's a lot of positions more so on the infield than in the outfield where you can say when you where you can ask those questions. And so I think this is a really important. I've said it was an important and intriguing fall because of that, and it's going to be a really important lead into the season because there's less established players. And I think Schlosh is going to start leaning on. Uh oh, we just there lost goes, our jersey. Yeah, jersey went. We. I think Schloss is going to start leaning on or have to use a little bit more the production through those practices and inner squads in January to make some lineup decisions. Mm-hmm. Like I could I could see where guys might have a little bit of an edge going in, 
But if Ali Camarillo doesn't play well at shortstop over the first three weeks of practice in inter-squads, Caden Kent might be your starting shortstop. Yeah. Or Jack Bell or any of those guys that are kind of pushing for reps and pushing for time. As, you know, speaking for an Aggie fan who might only come around to, to baseball at the start of the year, February, start paying a little attention, they're going to, you know, look at this lineup and be like, man, I only recognize – you know, Lavalette and and, uh, and Targotch. So, is that is that something to be concerned about when it comes to like gelling as a lineup, or do you think that's already kind of taken place? Man, I don't know. That's that's a tough question to ask for a guy that's not in the locker room every day in <laughs> yeah. the clubhouse every day. I know that the the kids like where they're at. The staff likes where they're at in terms of cohesion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at the most successful baseball team in A and M history was a conglomeration of guys from all over the country and returners and new in incoming guys and, and transfers and so I don't know I don't know how you make a prediction on that you can feel good about it but that doesn't mean anything in December mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you're right there's but there there's new names but I think that's why a lot of people are so intrigued by this baseball team mm-hmm. I mean you can go look at what Braden Montgomery has done and look at what Ali Camarillo did and Jackson Appel and Teddy Burton and some of these guys Hayden Shot that have come in from different places across the country. Man, they were super productive. Those are really good transfer portal pickups. And that's just on the offensive side. Yeah. You know, the pitching staff, which we got to touch on a little bit here, that's going to have a lot of new faces as well. But uh, there's going to be a a lot more familiarity with the fan base on the pitching side than the hitting side this year. But, man, like, if you didn't get a chance to go out this fall and see guys like Gavin Grahovic, and I know A&M is trying to replace – one of the best defensive third basemen that ever ever come through here. Mm-hmm. But when you walk out there that opening night at Olsen Field and you see Gavin Grahovic, you're going to go, that kid's 18, 19 years old? I mean, he's six foot three and a half, 220-something yep. pounds. He looks like he should be playing middle linebacker for Mike Elko mm-hmm. uh, and extremely physically gifted, extremely. Like, as as talented of a freshman as Jace Lavalette, as talented of a freshman as Texas A&M baseball has ever brought in. Well, that – Will that result in production? That's awful hard to say. Yeah. But the talent's there in spades. Let's hit a break here, Bronny. One more segment on the other side. We'll talk a little bit more baseball, get Bronny's favorite memories of the 2023 season for for baseball and maybe, you know, Aggie athletics in general. You're listening to Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. Back here on Tech Sags Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers. We're here inside the Rollo Insurance Studio. Last segment of the Go Hour uh, presented by the warehouse at CC Creations, Brawny. Uh, let's 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 do this. What was your favorite Aggie baseball moment of the 2023 season year? I would say overall, it was the run in Hoover mm-hmm. to the to the tournament final after being on the bubble coming in and the pitching being wildly inconsistent would be a compliment to the way the pitching was. <laughs> Uh, throughout the duration of the season, but they got it all right that one week in Hoover and to watch them pitch the way they did, and then they knock off Tennessee, then South Carolina, and then LSU and Arkansas, and to play Vandy in the final, I thought that was just an incredible run. So, like, you know, in Jim Sloshnagel's first two years, he wins the SEC West, wins a regional, super regional, goes to Omaha, goes makes it to the national semifinals, then... A little down, disappointing compared to where everybody thought they would be last year, but you know, is one 
one day away from winning an SEC tournament title mm-hmm. and really one day away from winning another regional, Yeah, even as crazy as all the whole thing went. So um, that was probably my favorite moment of the year. Individually, it has to be the three-homer night by Jace in mm-hmm. Starkville with their season on the line where he accounted for all six RBIs, passed John Byington uh, for the freshman record at A&M, and really – you know, I I, I think he was on his way to to making himself the face of the program, but I think that really cemented it for for Aggies to where like, you know, when Jace Lavalette walks around Kyle Field or Aggie Park on a football game day, everybody knows, yeah. hey, that's Jace Lavalette. And so, as this we get closer to the season, I think we're going to see his face plastered on a lot of things, and deservedly so. You tweeted something interesting that Kay brought to my attention that I want to bring up. You asked the, who is the best male and female Aggie athlete. Do you have an answer to that? No, I was just trying to get, I was thinking about that myself and I was just trying to get other people's thoughts. Uh-huh. And, um, for me on the male side, I had three that I thought were worthy. Um, and, and I look, I admittedly, I'm, I'm just talking about like the bigger sports. And if there are some, some people that I'm missing on the lower level mm-hmm. sports and it's, that's on me, I'm overlooking them. But for me, it was Wade Taylor Jace Lavalette, Edron Cooper. And mm-hmm. I think I would actually give it to Edron Cooper because as yeah. fantastic of a year as Wade and Jace had, I mean, Edron was a consensus All-American uh, on a 7-5 and five football team and uh, it earned himself a lot, a lot of money uh, in the NFL draft, I think, coming up. So I would give it to Edron Cooper. Then Mary Stoyana, I think, on the women's side, or Logan Lednicki. Those were my two kind of semifinalists or co-finalists, whatever. And I would probably just lean toward Mary. Yeah, you're not far off there. Uh, let's see. Last thing here before we we, we got to talk. We talk over. a little pitching. Yeah, real yeah. Quick. How much time I got? Uh, you got two uh, minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. Okay. So the pitching staff, I'm really excited about the potential. It's deeper, no question. It's deeper than last year and Schloss's first year. Whenever you think about how many guys did they really rely upon last year, mm-hmm. what many. You know, if it wasn't Evan Oshenbeck, Brandon Garcia, or Shane Sedeo running out of the bullpen, yeah, you're you're pretty worried about things, right? <laughs> Will Johnston here and there, Watson kind of figured it out. But the thing about that is, most of those guys I just said are coming back, and they've also injected a huge amount of talent and potential from the portal, and then an outstanding freshman pitching class. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how much those guys are going to factor in from the get go. But they are all really talented, and the so you have to like the future of the the pitching staff going forward with those guys as the, you know the groundwork, the foundation for what Max Wiener wants to build, and then they'll recruit obviously out of the portal every year. Uh, but you know progressions for guys like Ryan Prager who's coming off of injury. I think Chris Cortez, uh, you're going to see a little bit different arsenal out of him mm-hmm. this year. Uh, Tanner Jones is a name for watching. Eldridge Armstrong, Brock Peary, Evan Oshenbeck, Shane Sadeo, Justin Lampkin. Like, we're. Am I yeah, getting Got to drop it right there. Okay, 10 drop. seconds. Really Good. appreciate it, yeah. Ronnie. Happy New Year.